Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Big treat for me today because I am in the studio recording, but I have a guest with me, none other than Ryan Johnson. If you don't know Ryan Johnson, he is a member of the Demand Gen Consulting Team. He's been with us for over five years, almost five years now, and he, over that time, has worked with, I don't know, what would you say, over 40 clients? I think that's probably about correct. I mean, it keeps growing every year, right? Yeah, <laughs> it does. And and hundreds of people among those clients. And Ryan and I are going to do a series of podcasts together. This is the very first. And what I thought would be really great for you guys is for us to just talk about the agents of change that we work with, the people that we work with. Because I have a feeling... Um, you might hear yourself in some of these stories, and I don't literally mean that, or maybe if you've worked with Ryan, you might recognize stories of yourself. But we want to share with you what it really takes um, in these days for you to be successful in marketing operations and demand generation, marketing leadership, and how to overcome some of the challenges when you're working with other departments, whether that's aligning with sales or working with sales operations or even working uh, with IT for that matter. So Ryan, thank you for driving down from Sacramento and joining me here in the studio. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I guess, how many people are we now talking to on a regular basis? Thousands. Um, I was looking at the stats the other day, and the uh, the feed hits, which is, a feed hit is every time someone plays an episode, sure. was yeah. over thirty thousand for last month. Wow, which, which is which is nuts. Well, I hope we can answer some questions for people in future episodes. You know what? Let's 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 offer that up. So hopefully you enjoy the podcast today. We'll say this a few times. There is an email address that we set up. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your questions or topic suggestions so Ryan and I can come back and answer those and riff on those topics. So radio at demandgen.com. That is our email, radio at demandgen.com. And there we go. Do you know why it's radio? Well, I figured that uh, it didn't have anything to do with radio, but since, you know, you are probably throwing back to a little bit of our, our glory days of, of media, <laughs> I, I, I was letting you have radio as opposed to digital podcast at demandgen.com. It, it, it's not podcast. <laughs> don't email podcast at demandgen.com because I don't even know if that email box exists. It, you know, it was iHeart. It was iHeart Radio. So I, when I named the, the podcast, I'm like, Demandgen Radio. And then I think you pointed out to me at one point, you said, but but it's not a radio. Yeah, uh, I, we don't think we ever go over radio, so. <laughs> we don't. We digress. Yes. Um, let's, let's talk about one story. Uh, you and I, about a year ago this time, we headed out to the East Coast, and there was a big nor'easter going on, and, <laughs> and we were about to do uh, an engagement and meeting a bunch of folks for the first time. Some of these folks were in sales operations, marketing operations, and, you know, it's it's exciting for Ryan and I because we normally have a couple of key contacts that we are working with and talking to leading up to a workshop or an engagement. Yes. And we get to yes. know those people pretty well. But we never know what to expect when we get into those workshops and the different cast of characters. So let me just ask you, like, how do you prepare yourself for those environments where you, you really don't know what the audience is going to be? Uh, how, do you, how do you get ready for that? Well, um, you know, I think it's having done these now for, you know, five plus years, right, with Demand Gen, it's gotten to the point where I'm 
pretty flexible with anything goes, right? And I think the right question, the right answer is you prepare by knowing what you know well, very, very well, if that makes sense. So, makes sense. Um, you know, you know, you're obviously the space better than, dare I say, anyone, right? You've been, you've been here for how many years in the demand gen space? More, more, than, than, more than I choose to count. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and so it's the same, you know, I, I think that you taught me very early on to prepare extremely well for these workshops and to know your material and be able to answer any questions thrown at you and, and all those types of things. Right. And so, um, you know, I've done, I, I can't even count. I would need to take off both, you know, both shoes and, and several hands, uh, to count how many workshops we've done to how many people. So going into these is, is really a bit about knowing, what the company's challenges are, what they're trying to to do, putting yourself into their shoes of how you would solve that challenge and and really knowing um, about about their business and and trying to prepare as much beforehand before going into it. And then knowing, of course, the experience with other people and 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 all that sort of thing. So when i when I look at these, um, there's always a curveball thrown in the workshop. There's always going to be someone that has. A question that yeah. you did not expect or, didn't, you know, that I did not expect and, and, and you were there with me. So you probably did not expect it either. But those are, are you can expect that they're going to be unexpected questions. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> exactly. I, re I remember, I think it was either our first engagement together or going way back. And, uh, you know, I had my my toolkit. You know, this is this is going back at mm -hmm. least five years yeah. ago. Yeah. And I think we were at a Gartner again back on the East Coast yes. in, yeah. in Connecticut. And so we were doing a transformation workshop and, you know, I had my extra marker pens and I had every cable imaginable because you never know what kind of projector you're yep. going to have or, or what you're going to do and audio cables and back up this and, you know, plenty of power adapters. And I just, you just got a pair. It's kind of like going into battle, right? Yeah. And you're geared up physically, but you're also geared up mentally. And let's, let's talk about the mental environment. Because again, when you're brought in, you're brought in by one of our key contacts who has recognized the company needs to change. Um, yes. And they are an agent of change. And so they've asked you to come in and bring about change. And why why do you think that is? Why does somebody bring in an outside uh, consultant, hire us to help them facilitate that change? You know, that's something that I've, I've actually thought about off and on for, for a long time, since I've been doing consulting for a long time. Um, and I've normally would narrow that down to sort of three factors. You can call them what you will, and I'm sure you have your own your own take on this. But I've seen it as either there's a capability that they don't have internally. Now, the people we work with are very smart people. They're they're very capable people, so they could always develop that capability. But oftentimes, they need it faster, or they need it now, or they have an initiative or something. So we already have that capability, and so they're bringing us in for that. Or there's a capacity issue. They're bringing us in for that. Um, but sometimes they just need someone to be uh, the, that change, like push, the little shove that that gets everything rolling or the outside point of view, bringing in some best practices to kind of kickstart things or, or launch the rocket or, and that sort of thing. So when I see people looking to us to help them, like you've said, they've already identified something needs to change. This is, this is not business as usual isn't isn't going to cut it. Or they're looking into the future and seeing that business as usual isn't going to get them over some challenge that they see that's on the horizon. And when they're, when they're bringing us in, it's not um, to, it's really to help them get ahead of that challenge 
and and not be reacting and trying to actually push forward and, and plan and, mo- and move forward into it. So yeah. I see us working, we always work very, very tightly with our, our, our project people that we're working with in a company. It's never uh, a hands-off type of relationship because we're, we're working with their very fabric of their of what they do in the day-to-day day-to-day world. So I would never presume to to go in and say, "Hmm, here's this cookie-cutter solution that's going to solve all of all of your problems um because every company's different. Yes, we have, you know, similar industries or similar methods or similar this or that or the other, but the way that everybody puts it together is a little bit different across a little bit and you have different personalities. Yeah. So you got to do it you got to tailor it to to what the situation is. When you um, have someone who's who's brought you in, and you go into these into the battlefield, you yes, go into a yeah. workshop mm-hmm. where you've got all these these unknown um, folks. Do you uh, do you feel that the people in the room there, in especially if it's a kickoff workshop, are they already on board? They're they're showing up ready for uh, embarking on this journey, or are they at the <laughs> why are we here and and needing to be convinced? What what typically are you experiencing? Usually, there's a range. Usually, there's two people or three people, and usually it's the project sponsor, who are ready to take this journey. Sometimes that's only one person. Then you have the people that are are sort of uh, willing to, to bark on an adventure. They're not quite sure what you're getting into, who this person's standing up in front of you, you know, hopefully pretty well-dressed and, and not, you know, and put together and that sort of thing. But uh, I'm, just, I'm just giving myself a little bit of a joke there. But... <laughs> But, you know, they're not quite sure about it. And then you have the people that are are sort of uh, active skeptics, I guess you would say. Right. Like, we've done it this way before for a very, very long time. So um, so why can't we continue to do it the same way? Sort right. Of thing. So they don't want to change. They they're, don't. They're hesitant to change, yep. hesitant mm-hmm. to admit their, their baby's ugly or that anything that they've done is is potentially wrong. Or they've had a million other consultants come in and tell them, to do it and it still hasn't changed or hasn't made things better or or that sort of thing, right? So yeah, no, we we get that range of people. Um and and normally there's one or two people that are really have already bought into the vision when we first start these kickoffs. So do you do you have a conscious technique that you use to um, get other folks on board. Like, uh, no doubt, I've seen you. You read the room. You can tell the, uh, these these different personas. But is there actually a conscious technique that you use, or or how do you go about getting them to want to go on the journey and, and be receptive to change? Yeah, that's a that's a really uh, interesting one. Um, I can say that it's been easier over the past five years since Martech and marketing automation and the processes have become more mainstream and and everybody's had to take advantage of them. There's a more acceptance of the overall concept. So that makes it a little easier now from when it originally was. Um, And I think the first thing that I like to do is make sure that people uh, hear that their concerns are out there. Now, that doesn't mean that you let them um, dominate the conversation with worries and skepticism and that sort of thing. But usually there's a specific type of of concern that they have, right? So uh, with sales, oftentimes, because it's so easy to measure results, an opportunity closed, very easy to measure results, there's an incentive tied to that very, very, very tight number. And you've talked about this before, and we've talked about this before, right? This is where marketing being able to track to revenue 
yeah. makes such a big difference, right? Yeah. Because it's a, it's a concrete number. It's a concrete KPI. When you show them what the end state looks like, um, you know, when you conduct, you, you conduct lots of different workshops, yeah. but let's yeah. talk about the Art of the Possible workshop. Sure. So that one, often day, multi-day uh, workshop where you are taking them through, you know, kind of um, the maturity curve and saying, yes. you know, here's what digital marketing is. And over those next two days, you are really breaking down the... Um, lead scoring and lead management and ABM and nurturing and you go deep into nurturing and you walk them all the way through all the various things that they could do to do uh, transformation. And when you get to like reporting and yeah. analytics, you're showing them dashboards, you know, names have been changed, but you're showing them real dashboards mm -hmm. of other clients that have funnel metrics and have campaign attribution done right. And I often see like, I'll be watching you at the front of the room present this and like people sit up in their chair and they're like, wow, holy shit, like I want that. How do I get that? And and so when you, your technique of, of showing them uh, slides and graphics that uh, make them believers because they're seeing actual real stuff. You know, as you know, yeah. there's so many consultants out there that, you know, have, have pretty pictures and words and talk about the art of the possible, but it's not grounded in reality. Or they share benchmarks, which are, yes, inspiring and like, okay, you know, here's where mature organizations are. Your approach is just grounded in reality. You're showing them examples of people that you've taken on the journey before and what, what it looks like uh, to them. I think that's, you know, when I watch you, it seems to me that's why some of the people go from I don't know if they're skeptics, but maybe they're non-believers uh, to the Ryan cult, uh, and 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 then they then they they get religion, they get excited about it because they can see what the end state's going to look like. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point that you bring up. It is it is being able to move and see the vision for themselves, right? Um, the art of the possible is a very good good point to bring up from that standpoint. When we started doing some of this, and it didn't have companies were that were embarking on this were were kind of the pioneers. They were kind of the trailblazers. You know, I remember working with uh, one of our very, very long-term clients was a client of yours before I was even on, mm -hmm. um, going through some of the, again, changes and again, changes and again, changes and and trying to see how this was all going to work within their within their um, framework and their business and that sort of thing, right? And they, they had already been through it before, so they knew that this was going to help them, yet they were still having to bring new people on and still bring them to them. So actually being able to show them with their own data helped push it help push the new transformation they were trying to make. They were trying to expand and grow their efforts, right? Um, and and so that was very, very helpful. So showing someone the actual results that they're being seen in some place. The other thing is, is also getting them to participate in the workshop. Uh, we, I've done workshops early on in my career where it was just me or me and a colleague standing in front telling everybody and I guess that's the difference between telling and showing, right? Mm -hmm. um, when, when the person that we're working with or the person who has the vision for change is standing up there saying, this is our company, this is our problem that we're focusing into, this is the piece that we need to change, this is why I'm supporting and brought these people in, even if it's only for half an hour at the beginning of the workshop, makes a huge difference in the receptiveness to when we start showing what other people have gotten results out. So they set they set the stage. They, oh they, yeah, they help reinforce why we're there and why it matters to the the company. When what advice would you give 
you know, you interface with a lot of CMOs, a lot of mm -hmm. VPs of marketing and demand generation. And sometimes they take you aside and really share with you uh, the behind the scenes, some of the challenges that we're <laughs> gonna have, maybe have with the people or the culture yeah. or the alignment with sales. What advice, having helped so many clients, do you give to someone when uh, they're in an organization and there is just tremendous resistance? And maybe not even on their own team, but I'm thinking of one client in particular where you know, sales ops was over here and felt, you know, very um, committed and and uh, grounded in their views of CRM usage and adoption and the way things should be and the way mm -hmm. that CRM should use. And then there was marketing realizing, like, that's probably not the best way. And yet, you know, you have marketing and marketing operations wanting to suggest to sales ops to look at things a different way. How how should someone approach that? If they didn't have you by their side, is there is there a way that they could approach, you know, sales operations or another another function and say, let me let me show you a different perspective. Yeah, I, I think that the key there is I've seen where organizations or silos or, or people get so caught up in defending something that they've made a decision on that the real reason why they made that decision can get lost in in trying to defend it. And and what I mean by that is in this example, um, sales ops did what they were doing for a reason. Now that reason could have been uh, they they were having to get it done very very quickly, and so they couldn't you know identify a root cause and, and build out a more complex solution. And so then it ends up being you know stacked on stacked on stacked on band aid band aid band aid. It could have been that um, there was a certain pressure that came from from someone in the organization to do it in a certain way. But oftentimes it'll be um, the reason that'll be being put forth as, as why they can't change is not the actual reason why something was done that way. So if you, if you listen more than trying to tell, that will come out. And then usually once you try to say, okay, good, if that's what that was and they know that you heard them, I find that usually it's very receptive to then changing and moving in a, in a, in a positive direction in a different direction. So um, things change over over years of working in business and systems these days have, have sometimes grown to be yeah. a Frankenstein monster. I mean, how many of us <laughs> have gone into a marketing automation platform or a, a, you know, a CRM and, and, and uh, what is this? There's, you know, yeah. you know, bolts sticking out of their neck and, and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> Frankenstack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I want to I put you on the spot and ask you a question. I have yeah. no idea how you're going to answer it, but sure. I, I yeah. just, it's just, I'm, I'm just going to ask Ryan questions. Yeah. Um, Marketo versus Eloqua. So when you deal with clients and it's a Marketo environment or an Eloqua environment, yeah. at this level of uh, maturity, do you notice a difference in the client base um, based on which marketing automation system they are using? Let's start just between those, those two. I normally see that um, the, the strengths of, of Eloqua in terms of uh, the integrations and the customizations that you can do across that data flow. I normally see that clients have a lot of other systems that they're trying to input and get data over to, as opposed to just connecting to a Salesforce or just connecting to a few other other platforms, right? I mean, um, so usually I'm seeing that where there's a lot of other, other systems that they're dealing with or, or potentially even a, um, a legacy CRM that is not, a cloud-based or on-premise or something like this. And so 
there's a reason why they need those more advanced sort of integration type type capabilities and the like. Um, controlling the data flow very, very tightly and, and those capabilities of Eloqua. The Marketo install base, they seem to be a little bit more of that sort of standard Marketo, Salesforce, or other CRM, but usually it's Salesforce, right? Um, type of a stack. And it's, it's a little bit more, okay, we want to try to just get on with using the tool as opposed to dealing with all the, the customizations and that sort of thing. That's not to say we don't have some Marketo Salesforce clients with some extreme customizations and Salesforce and the like, but it usually tends to be the connection between the systems is a little bit more just out of the box standardized. All right. That's what I see from a technical standpoint. Yeah. So, you know. The um, environments. What yeah. about, let's talk about nurturing. Um, you know, marketing while you sleep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have some clients that when we start working with them and we say, you know, where are you in, in nurturing? And, you know, they they have a nurture. And yeah. they're, they're proud of having like a nurture or a couple nurtures. And after we work with them for what, six months, year, mm -hmm. you know, depending on what time they have, dozens and dozens of nurtures yeah. for different verticals and different segments. And one of the first things that you do, I know um, as you do your discovery, is you do an inventory of their content assets and yeah. take yeah. a look at what they have. What do you typically find in, in environments where maybe it's not a heavy nurturing environment? What do you typically find in terms of the way that their content is today, like within the last year, not going back sure. five years? Sure. I mean, today, everybody's got some level of content, whether it's blog posts, white papers, other types of um, uh, of pieces around. So I, I'm normally seeing that there's a bunch of content that's been created, but it's not usually aligned around specific types of personas. It's usually product-based at mm -hmm. that point in time. If they haven't put a lot of work into who is the actual customer that I'm talking to, then they end up with a lot of product or feature-based types of pieces of content. The problem with that is that um, when we go to try to align that to a person that's coming in, it, it's it's very it's not aligned to that. It's aligned to a product and to a feature set, right? Um, and so that's like like where you have a problem, and and you're you're coming to this website to solve to solve your problem, where you're coming, you're seeing a, a an ad or a white paper on on some other tech target or some other type of of content syndication. You're going, oh, I'm trying to solve X, Y, or, or Z. And then all you see is a list of why this product feature is really, really cool. It doesn't really help you articulate or try to solve the problem, right? So that's where the first thing that um, that we'll see is, is aligning the content to the segments that we're getting and then starting to get more content based on the, the segments of, of people that we're trying to talk to, right? Um, so that's where I see people normally start. Then once we've been working with them for a while, that turns into actually looking at, oh, we have these segments. Now let's build out the content to move them to through the buyer's journey. So the content has a very specific purpose other than just being a great case study or focusing on a product feature. Let's talk about lead scoring. Yeah. Um, workshop that you do very often. A lot of guys uh, and gals on the team do mm -hmm. that. Uh, in a lead scoring workshop, what is the most difficult part of getting let's let's say through a lead scoring project where where's the where's the <laughs> toughest part in in that 
Getting sales to participate. <laughs> That's the first Which part. Which is weird because after all, they want all their leads pristine <laughs> and prioritized. But it's okay. They want it too. But they want to, of course, this, um, you know, salespeople are always on the move, right? I mean, you know, our, our Rob next door, right? He's, he's, on, he's always he's on, on the move. move. Yeah. You know, they're always on the phone. They're always wanting to like get moving, moving, moving. So uh, trying to get them to to realize the value of of coming in and and working with marketing to make sure that that ideal lead profile is really well understood um tends to be tends to be the toughest the toughest piece the easy you know ironically for lead scoring once you get everybody in the room together and um it, it usually goes really smoothly like once they can they can actually work through it everybody like, oh yeah that, that makes sense it's it, all the, in my we're on the same team in know? my experience it's it's almost like camp for sales and marketing because yeah, they, yeah. they leave that workshop <laughs> much happier together it's like oh, yeah. they're they're newfound <laughs> friends it's like when that workshop starts they're at different sides of the table and it's like i, I don't know those kids at camp like are, is that the one that sends me hate mail yeah. all the time that says all oh, my leads suck and then by the end of the workshop they're like this is really cool this is fun thank you thank you for including me and yep. it's like the marketers are thinking yeah, I'm I'm doing this <laughs> so I don't <laughs> slip my wrist, you know, because um, I want to. I after all, I want to help you guys. What about uh, demand funnels? So we do a lot of demand funnel workshops where we establish and operationalize. You know that we we get called. Someone mm -hmm. someone goes to a serious conference. Someone looks up you know serious decisions demand waterfall on the internet and yeah. and all roads lead eventually to demand gen. They say I hear you guys can operationalize or they use some word yeah. that basically says we need to take that off slides and concepts and and bring that into the organization. We say sure we can we can do that in those workshops. What's the What's what's the either the sticky point or the most yeah. most interesting yeah. memorable ones from from all that that you've done? I would I would say that that uh, lead management framework or demand funnel workshops are probably the ones that people uh, struggle through the most a little bit, and usually that's because I think the terms have become so ingrained in in our marketing operations, sales marketing operations, you know, world that everyone's heard of an MQL or everyone's heard of you know, these acronyms that have floated around it, maybe even thrown them into a, a into a PowerPoint slide and said, Oh, here's our lead statuses. We've got, we've already got this. Right. Yeah, but there's inevitably, um, the, the pieces missing that make it possible to actually use it. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, is how do you do the handoffs? What's the importance of this? How do you do the measurements? How does that fit into the system? Does the marketing automation system push the right value over to the Salesforce system. So I would say the lead management framework workshops are probably the most painstakingly detailed because we have to go through all of those pieces. Um, so you have a little bit of a balance there where you need some of the more you know sales leadership to understand that, yes, this is the process flow. I agree with this. And then you need the ops people to be in the room too so that we get the details right. Otherwise, you go and try to turn it on and it, you know, it's like one of those little jalopy cars in, in, in a cartoon, you know, sort of thing, right? So um, that I would say is probably the the most difficult workshop. When it does work and you show at the end of it, this gets back to your point that you were talking about earlier in terms of the graphs and things like this. I know we've had one lead scoring, um, one lead management framework project, if it will, did the workshop. You know, people struggled through it. It was a little bit, a little bit long. We got all the details necessary went back, implemented it, came back with the graphs of here's what everything looks like. And um, every, you know, the sales ops and marketing ops people that we were working with were like, oh, this is great, we got it now, right? It was the anecdote that we heard later where the our project sponsor had taken it to a bunch of, with a bunch of sales people, and they, uh, she threw up on the, 
on the board. Here, here's what our funnel looks like. And she said that she was practically mobbed by the salespeople running up and saying, wait, 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 what exactly is this MQL number? And where are these leads exactly? And why haven't my guys called on these yet? And, and she was, and they were like, oh, we can do this. And oh, we'll, we'll get the SDR scene working and all, you know, all this other types of things, right? So being able to show that it's not just this abstract concept of, oh, say marketing is going to pass this unicorn lead over the fence and, 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 and there's actually in the CRM, here is an MQL and, oh, I can recognize that company name and, oh, I know what to do with this. That's uh, extremely powerful, right, in terms of the alignment yeah. aspect. Over the, uh, over the five years uh, that you've been doing this, what, what changes have you observed the most, either at the you know departmental level, personal level, wh whatever. Take it wherever you want to go. Drop anchor on that, as Greg likes to say. <laughs> uh, what what have you um, seen just just change in the in the evolution? Because so much has yeah. changed. Um, I think I've seen probably two, well, two major changes sort of along technology and process. Right um, when you know I've even started here. And I'm sure it was the case when you started a long time ago. Uh, this was still a new territory. It was like marketing automation. Oh, that's wow! You know, I wish our company could do to do that. Or wow, that's really expensive. Now it's table stakes, right? If you don't have a marketing automation platform, if you haven't worked out nurtures and lead stages and things like this, you really aren't in the modern marketing game at all um, in the B two B space, right? Mm -hmm. So that is one major change. Now, whether or not you're doing it effectively is a different issue, right? But that's one of the major the major changes. And a lot of people are doing it effectively. I don't mean to sound derisive for people who haven't worked with us at all, but, but there's a lot of people out there that are doing it very effectively. Mm -hmm. um, so the other major change that I've, that I've seen has been um, that there's the proliferation of technologies, cloud technologies and things like this has almost supplanted the idea of, of just marketing basics. And, and what I mean simply by that is, uh, you know, when we're marketing, we're talking to people. We're talking, even when we're doing ABM, we're not talking to a company. Mm -hmm. We're talking to a bunch of people on a buying committee. Mm -hmm. um, each of these people have their own focuses, their challenges, their, their, yes. their things that they're doing every single day. And you have to cut through that clutter. Yeah to be able to deliver the message to them, right? Um, so when that's the biggest part that I probably struggle with is that because there's a technology solution, quote unquote, to X problem, Y problem, Z problem out there, um, sometimes I've seen people try to use that technology instead of just how can we communicate to the person in front of us or how do we even know the person that's in front of us? And and that's a, a big issue, I feel. Yeah, and they it's it's one of the reasons that I personally go out and do, uh, you know, keynotes and talks on the power of storytelling yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, neuromarketing and neuroscience because even though you know so passionate about marketing technology and sales technology and just the science of marketing, you can have all the greatest infrastructure in the world, but if you don't do good content marketing, you're not going to produce results and. Uh, what I hear you saying, which is a good reminder to, to all of us, is you know, don't forget that we're still marketing to individuals. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, that that person has uh, emotions, and 
you know, a, a reptilian brain that is going to have a fight or flight instinct and try mm-hmm. to find solutions uh, to their to their problems. And that's that's the first priority of sales and marketing is to help people find us and address their problems and pains and that all this infrastructure and technology are just ways for us to to make that uh, easier uh, mm-hmm. in, in the digital economy and and do that. Um, let's let's uh, look out and try to uh, take a look in, into 2019. Do you think the challenges that you're helping clients overcome are going to be much different than they are today? Uh, you know, what what do you expect next year to look like if it is going to be different? What do you think? I think that there there's going to be an acceleration of the same challenges we see. I think one of the other main things that's changed over the years is the amount of time that uh, results are expected. Yeah, good from point. right um, shortened, so right? very shortened, very very shortened. I think there was a um, sort of the hype curve that you know Gartner had or, or something like this, right? Where there's the the hype circle and everyone and then they go down to the trough of disillusionment or, or some sort of right. You know, um, very doom, doom hearing sort of thing, and and that's that's really gotten to the point where I feel like the um, the people are saying, hey, we bought this technology, we need some results out of this, we need this out of this quickly, um, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of time to have your content really get into the search engines. It takes time for it to be found organically. It takes time to build up that consideration and that sort of thing. So I just see things accelerating. I see them accelerating faster into 2019. I see integration becoming much more of a bigger issue. Data that runs all of that becoming much bigger issue. It's always been an issue, <laughs> even in your earliest books. But uh, it's becoming going to be a a Big, bigger issue, yeah, right? Huge next year. Um, yeah, huge, huge that, issue. I, I think uh, my prediction is 2019 is the year of the four-letter word data. And <laughs> and but it, but I let's turn it into love and loving our data um, <laughs> because it is so empowering. And yet it it's is. been it's been one of those things. Let's face it: that unless you have a marketing operations function or sales operations or you know some support from another group, you really didn't have the expertise to help you turn data into insights and to really put the time and effort. You you talked about you know quick wins. There's there's now the pressure to have quicker wins, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, in so many words, so you know data projects are under the ocean. Like if you looked if if you looked out on the sea of opportunity, you would see the bright sun and boats on the water, and that's that's the campaigns, that's the marketing, that's yep. all the mm-hmm. that touches. But under that water, the ocean, the current is where all the data. Uh, is and and we don't we don't often go into that that un, you know we don't hold our breath and go under there and work down there uh, and but we have to and it's becoming yeah. more and more critical and that's why new roles are are spinning up in in data operations and new tools have come up so what I'm seeing with the clients that we've been working with and really helping them with their data is uh, it's empowering to them it and, is but it requires a level of effort that we haven't re- focused on there's been more focus on the systems and content and, and alignment. Uh, and now we're getting down deeper into into the, uh, I was going to say weeds, but now I'm changing metaphors. So that's really weird. Deeper into the ocean. Deeper the into current, the ocean. Deeper into the currents. Yeah, 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 the different currents. So I, I think that, uh, you know, 2019 is going to be a big year for data. We're going to see the rise of the CDP yeah. uh, as a new, you know, acronym. It's it's around, but just like ABM and, and content rise, marketing. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah everyone's going to yeah. start uh, talking about it because they're going to realize, wow, there's, there's really powerful tools for helping me come... Uh, a master with my data and get insights from it. 
before we wrap up, Ryan, and I do want to, you know, we're going to make this a series, and I encourage all mm-hmm. of you out there listening, drop us a note at radio at demandgen.com and send us your questions or topics. I mean, we will print them out, and when we do our next episode, we will sit here and, and answer your questions. Uh, so, so shoot them to us. Uh, what, do you, what do you think one of the questions will be that someone will say? Like, if you were to predict the future, because you get asked questions all the time, what's, what's going to come up that we're going to need to answer? And we'll just leave that as a cliffhanger on the next episode of <laughs> Demand Gen Radio with Ryan and Dave. Um, I think we're going to get a question about uh, what kind of people are the right people for this, these types of new organizations and uh, what the organizational structure is going to look like. I think that's the, you know, data is no longer in a silo. It can't just be owned by an IT department. It can't just be owned by each individual group. So how do you do that when everyone's got different standards? So I, I think we're going to get a question about that. All right, cool. What about, what do you think we're going to get a question on? I, I hope we get questions around uh, what to measure in marketing. Mm. I think, you know, I've, I've watched you do, again, countless workshops where you're showing reports and dashboards and KPIs for marketing and leading indicators for marketing. And I've always said, it's in my book, right? There's no gap for marketing. There's no generally accepted accounting principles. Go look that up, gap. You know, CFOs and finance people are taught gap yeah, in, in yeah. business school. Marketing's not taught much more than the four Ps still. So I get a lot of people who ask me that. I know you get a lot of people. I hope mm-hmm. they ask us that. We'll leave that as a cliffhanger as well so we can answer some of those core metrics. Yeah. No names mentioned because I won't call her out, uh, but there's someone on LinkedIn uh, who is very vocal these days, and she is trashing the funnel and trashing all marketing metrics and saying that the only thing that matters out there is tracking your contribution to revenue. And <laughs> I was just like, I wanted to respond to this post and say, well, yeah, maybe at the end of the day we need to do that. But if we don't know campaigns are working and whatnot, we got to measure campaigns. We got to still do attribution. We got to yeah. measure the demand funnel. But she was, I don't know if she was being controversial. So let's, when we get together again, let's pretend if someone doesn't ask that question. But <laughs> hey, if you're out there listening, ask us anything and we will bring those topics and answer your questions. And we look forward to uh, keeping this as a, I don't know, not not a real time engagement with you guys, but uh, connect with you and answer that. You know, Ryan's, um, you know, after five plus years, as we said, and lots and lots of engagements, he has seen yeah. it all and experienced it all and helped uh, the biggest, best companies in the world. I mean, we have a great mm-hmm. pedigree of clients, and you know, you have helped made so many of them heroes. I was out at uh, in New Orleans last week, and the Booz Allen team was up on stage at the Serious Tech Conference. Uh, getting recognized for all the great work that they'd done, and they gave us a great shout team, out. Yeah. yeah, and they were like, "Thank you, thank you, Demand Gen, for helping us and and being their Sherpas and and being their guides and being hands on keyboard with them to get all this stuff done." So that was that was cool. It's the, it's the most yeah. rewarding part Very, of our job, right? Is yeah. when you know someone gets an award or recognition, whether it's the Fearless Fifty or you know the Markies or Revies or Stackies and all that stuff. I mean, I I love it. So let's go make more heroes together. Thanks, Ryan, uh, for driving down. Yeah, Wanna, can't can't wait till the next time. Let's yeah. go grab a bite to eat. And continue this conversation yeah there we go thanks a lot dave all right that's going to do it for this episode of demand gen radio hope uh, you enjoy getting to know ryan and we look forward to answering your questions and continuing uh the conversation on the next episode take care you've been listening to demand gen radio bringing you the top industry experts thought leaders authors marketing technology firms and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.